What's up, everybody? Michael Nettemeyer here and Joe Geary, and we are your hosts of the Whitwin Podcast, whatever it takes, whenever it's needed. Today, Joe and I are diving into the eight steps that you need to take to succeed in real estate. These are eight steps that are proven that have done consistently, done every single day, not just when you feel like it, not just when it feels comfortable, not when you feel like, oh, I feel like doing this today. If you can do these eight steps consistently over time, you can have a massive business. This is how I built my business. This is how Joe's built his business. This is proven steps. This is how countless other realtors have built their business as well. This is a proven system. It's not just some fluff stuff about, you know, this or that, it'll work, pay for this, buy this. You know, this is a proven system. So we're going to dive into this right now. Here are the eight steps. Step one, which we've all heard, is what, Joe? Lead generation. Lead generation. It's the nasty word that nobody in real estate wants to hear about, that everyone in real estate thinks they don't have to do or, or want to believe they don't have to do in order to succeed. And what I will tell you is that if you can embrace lead generation at a high level, your business will take off much faster than if you don't. So what is lead generation? First thing is, who am I calling? Who am I going to call? Who am I going to talk to? Because in real estate, you have to talk to people. And I understand why people don't like to lead generate, Joe, because think about, you know, really, we can blame it on our parents. Because from a young age, we were taught, don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers. Don't, you know, don't, you can get in trouble. If you don't talk to strangers. You get a real estate license and everybody says what? Talk to everybody. Talk to everybody. Talk to every stranger you can find. Go talk to as many people as you can. doesn't matter if you know them, if you don't know them. Go talk to everybody and let them know you're in real estate. So naturally, no one likes to lead generate. And when you make this a focal point and a pillar of your business, your business will improve. So you need to be thinking about, and so think about, imagine if you're in real estate right now or if your business isn't at the level you want it to be at, lead generation needs to become a focus. So who am I calling? What lead sources do I have to generate new business? How much time am I going to commit to lead generation every single week? And am I time blocking my lead generation and making it a priority? So, Joe, as a new realtor, when you were new, how much time did you commit to re- lead generation? I spend most of my time working lead generating because I had nothing else to do. So, yeah, good point. So, as a new real estate agent, you really don't have anything else to do. If you're full-time in real estate, right now you have time is on your side. What's going to happen is over time as you get busy, your time is going to become increasingly more important and valuable because you're going to have less of it because you're gonna be busy dealing with clients, doing other things, showing property, going on appointments. In the beginning, you should be lead generating as much as possible. What I often tell people is that if I'm brand new, I'd be looking at two to four hours a day, maybe more, because you have nothing else to do. And lead generation doesn't have to be physical time on the phone. It can be other things. It can be things like using social media to your advantage. It can be things like doing open houses. It can be out talking to people in public, talking to people at restaurants. There are lots of ways to lead generate. It's not just physical act of picking up the phone. I believe picking up the phone, if you can get comfortable with that, that's going to be a, one way to increase your business faster because you can have a lot more conversations than maybe you could if you're going in door knocking. If I can get on the phone and go make 50 phone calls and I can do that in an hour, I might. that's increasingly more amounts of attempts for people I can talk to than if I go door knock 50 houses. That might take me way longer than an hour. So be thinking about that. And what I'll often say is if you, once your business is going, you still need to commit to two hours a day. If you can commit to one hour of outbound lead generation where you're talking to new people, trying to put them into your pipeline to grow your pipeline and one hour following up and servicing all the people in your pipeline, 
you can have a really good business. Any thoughts around this, Joe, as far as lead generation? 100%. I mean, you can really, like you said, you can pick any avenue. And I think the important part is you just need to stick to whatever that is. Don't go, you know, do open houses for three weekends in a row, not get any leads or not get any appointments and then say, hey, these don't work. And then you switch to first out by owners and then you switch to door knocking and you just keep jumping from thing to thing because then none of it will work because it's a skill set and you have to practice it. So whatever you pick, stick with it for a very long time until you see the results because it's going to take you a while to get good at it. Definitely is. And so that's what I think too. I think with a lot of new real estate agents, they make the mistake of trying to do too much too fast. So think about from a lead generation perspective, what do you naturally gravitate toward? I think your database, your SOI, sphere of influence, people that know you, like you, trust you, should be a focal point of your business and should be where you know, if 10% of your business is moving every year, you have the potential, you have 100 people in your database, that's already 10 opportunities sitting there waiting for you. That should be a pillar. And then what's one other pillar you could add in right now? Do you like doing open houses? Do you like door knocking? Do you like calling expireds? Do you like calling for sale by owners? Do you like doing internet leads? Whatever that is, pick one that you like and to Joe's point, stick with it. Do it, develop a system around it, start generating business from it and start leading with revenue before you add on a second leg to your business. I'm a big believer that your business needs multiple legs to it and start with one. SOI, get that dialed in, add a second pillar, FISBOs, open houses, whatever it is, add that in, stick with it. Don't do it for a week and say it didn't work. Oh, I did an open house, nobody showed up. Stick with it, figure out how to make it better, figure out how to make a system around it and start making money. So lead generation is gonna be a focal, important, a focal pillar or an important pillar of your focus. Next thing is the conversations that you're having. So step two is, if I'm getting in a rhythm now of lead generating, what do my conversations sound like? So how many conversations am I having daily with prospective clients? Am I script practicing? Am I practicing what I'm saying to these prospective clients? Do I have the right scripts? Did I just pull something offline that maybe isn't the best script? Like where, where am I getting my information from? Do I do a good job of getting into rapport and am I asking good questions? I think oftentimes, Joe, a lot of people make the mistake that they want to, they're trying to sell themselves, so they tend to over-talk. It's all about asking good questions and listening. Great salespeople ask great questions, and they're very good listeners. They're not trying to just talk, 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 talk to try to convince the person that they're the right, right person they should hire. They're asking good questions, and by asking good questions and being a good listener, that's how you can get into rapport as well. Yeah, because I think a big part of it, too, is you're letting them self-discover, and you can't do that if you're talking the whole time. You have to do that by asking them the right questions, and you have to think about it. You're making a roadmap for them where you're leading them to the result that they need and that you want by asking them the right questions. That's a valid point. Absolutely. It's not about, look how great I am. Here's what I can do. Here's what I can do. It's about figuring out what's important to them and why they're wanting to buy or sell a home, figuring out their motivation, their why, and then asking great questions so they can self-discover how you can be the best fit to help them make that possibility, help how you can make that become a reality. So conversations, and my script practicing is a big one. A lot of people don't like to script practice. I've heard people say, well, I, I get script practice in when I'm out on the actual phones talking to people. Well, I get practice in when I'm, when I'm talking to clients when they're in an open house, when I have prospective people walking through an open house. That's not practice, that's the game. You know, if you're only doing it when you're at the game, that's the only time you practice, you're not gonna be very good. Let's be honest. So, and then the other thing is what? It doesn't sound like me. Scripts don't sound like me. We've, you've heard this before if you've listened to our podcast. The scripts aren't supposed to sound like you. They're supposed to sound like somebody that's very, very successful in real estate. So if you're a new real estate agent, you haven't sold a home yet, the script's not going to sound like you. 
and it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to be embarrassing if you're doing it in front of people and you mess up, but who cares? Just do it anyway. Continue to do it. Continue to get better at it. And the more you, you do it and the better you get at it, the better your, con- your conversion rates go up. And that's what we're looking for is how do we talk to, honestly, like the minimal amount of people and set an appointment. If I'm super good at my scripts and I can talk to 10 people and set an appointment, well, that would be a good thing. If I'm brand new to this, I might need to talk to 100 or 200 people to get one appointment. So the better you get at this, the less time you have to do spend lead generating as well because you're naturally or just very, not naturally, you're very good at it because you've developed that skill set and developed that habit and you've developed the, the consistency to do it. So what's next? So next we have the appointment and this goes hand in hand with the conversations because like you said, if you don't know the scripts, if you don't know what to say, you're never going to set the appointment. So the appointment is super important because this is how ultimately you make your money because if you don't set any appointments, you're never going to make any money. So appointments are, appointments are super important and it's important too to track your conversion on these appointments. How many appointments are you setting? And then also of those appointments, how many appointments are actually going through and actually showing up when you're supposed to be there. Yeah, super important to track and know your numbers. So now if you've gotten good at lead generation and you're getting good at having the conversations because you're script practicing, then to your point, the appointment's next. Now I'm going on appointments. Do I have a listing presentation? Do I have a buyer presentation? Do I practice my listing presentation? Do I practice my buyer presentation? Do I ask good questions? Do I listen more than I speak? Do I build rapport? Do I show value? I think that's a big one. A lot of people will just go on an appointment and what do they do? They think their value is, look how great I am. Look at my awards. Look how big my office is. Look how many homes my office sold. Is that showing enough value for this buyer or seller to feel confident and comfortable working with you? The answer is probably not. And also getting into rapport. I was often taught early on in my career to get into rapport, which I think is important that you get into rapport, but people aren't hiring based on rapport rapport and and likability like they're hiring you based on value because you're an expense to them if you're going out to a seller's house they see you as an expense you can be the nicest person in the world but if they don't think you can get the job done they're not going to hire you so am i practicing these things or am i just walking in without a listing presentation and kind of winging it and saying well we should probably price it at this with no plan of, of where that number even came from it's just what you feel based on a quick little market update that you did or a market search How are you doing on this appointment? And to Joe's point, am I tracking this? Because now, if I I am lead generating, say, three hours a day or two hours a day, whatever number it is, and I'm talking to 20 people a day and I set zero appointments, well, I need to go back to my conversations and I'm doing this consistently over the course of a month or two months. I haven't set any appointments. I need to look at my conversations and say, well, I'm not very good at my scripting. I need to practice that and get better. Now, let's say, though, you're doing this consistently and you're setting appointments now. Your conversations are good. You're good on the phone. You're good in person when people are at open houses and door knocking and that. So you're getting the appointments, but then no one ever signs up with you. Well, that's an appointment issue. So you're not showing enough value. So I know I need to focus on how do I make my presentation skills better on my appointment, which takes us into the next step, which is what? Closing. Am I closing? Am I good at closing? Do I sound good or do I sound like a, a snake oil salesman just trying to get them to sign, you know, get them to sign on the line, which is dotted, right? From uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Am I closing and are they feeling good about doing business with me? So that's a, that's a skill set and a learned skill set as well that you need to practice. So are you just getting up from the, the table after your presentation and saying, let me know? That's what I used to do. Did you do that in the beginning? Absolutely. Yeah, everybody does. So just give me a call. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we uh, can work together. 
and then they never call you. Exactly. And they block your number. We didn't want to ask, right? We didn't feel comfortable asking. Why didn't we feel comfortable asking? It's because we didn't practice. The more you practice it, it's eventually, if you practice this enough, eventually it's just going to roll off your tongue. It's going to come out. You're going to be like, I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe I just asked them if they wanted to work with me, if they would sign the contract. If they, All this stuff's going to happen. And then you're just gonna, it's just going to happen, and then all of a sudden it becomes second nature. Exactly, because if you don't practice it before or at a different time, you're never going to attempt to do it when you're in person, or it's going to feel extremely awkward in person if you've never practiced it before. Yeah, absolutely it is. And so that's why practice and scripting is so important. It's not just scripting for expireds or for sale by owners. It's scripting your listing presentation. It's scripting your buyer consultation. It's scripting the, the questions that you ask when you're out showing property. It's scripting... The questions that you ask when you're sitting at the closing table, it's, it's, all of this is a script and it's a learned script that if you're prepared to do that, you can become a very, very effective real estate agent. So now that you ask them to close and you get good at that, the next step, which is what? One, two, three, four, and a step five. Step five is service. Service. Now I've convinced them and shown them enough value that I'm the right hire for them to go accomplish their goals. Am I living up to my end of the deal? Like people always say, under promise and over deliver. I hate that saying. Here's why I hate that saying because it's like, I'm going to go promise these people average. And then hopefully I'm going to perform above average. But if I don't perform above average, well, then I'm okay because I only promised them average anyway. All right. So I'm a firm believer that you need to over promise and over deliver. So you need to show them everything you're going to do. And then you need to go out and make sure 100% that you do everything you said you're going to do. So am I providing great service to my clients? The answer in real estate in our industry is typically no. Right? There are a countless number of people, especially call an expired seller today. 90% of the time, they're going to say they had a bad experience with their realtor. So be thinking about this in your, when your steps to success here. Am I providing great service to my clients? Am I updating my clients? Is my client constantly having to call me for an update? Or do they never have to call me because I'm doing such a great job of updating them and, show, and letting them know what the next step is? If I have a seller, am I sending weekly seller reports to my sellers? Am I keeping them up to date with everything I'm doing to get their home sold? If the answer is no, these are steps that you need to implement into your business right now to start pushing your business forward to elevate the level of service. Now, Joe, I had this issue. You probably did too early on. What do you talk to your seller about? If a house is sitting there for, because here's the thing, last year, the year before all of that, a realtor could put the house on the market, it would sell, you know, the three P's, put a sign in the yard, put it in the MLS, pray it sells. You didn't even have to pray last year. All you had to do was put the sign in the yard, put it in the MLS. It was going to sell. Well, now we have to put some work in, put some effort in, update our clients. So Joe, what would happen early on if you didn't, what would you say to your clients? Did you feel comfortable talking to your clients? Did you feel uncomfortable? Did you ever let a length of time go where you weren't updating your client? Absolutely. So when I first started, I didn't even know what to say because, like you said, the market was completely different. Some houses would sit for three months, six months, even a year in that case, and you wouldn't even know what to talk about to them. So in that case, I wouldn't call them. And then sometimes weeks would go by, mm -hmm. even a month or two months, and then you call them three months later, and then it's super awkward. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're the one who's my realtor? Like They almost <laughs> forget that you're you're the realtor because you hadn't talked to them so for so long so i think this is one of the most undervalued part of the real real estate business is the service because this is basically what we're selling we're selling our service to get their home sold or to help them buy a home and i think without good service 
you're always going to be stuck in the first category of having to lead generate super hard where instead if you actually got really good at the service in the beginning and kept improving it then the amount of lead generation you would need to do would decrease drastically because then your repeat and your referral business which we'll talk about later would go drastically up mm-hmm. definitely it is so providing great service is extremely important and to joe's point don't let weeks go by without updating your client because now you just feel awkward what happens is you don't call them the first week you say okay i'm gonna call them next week then you don't call them next week and another week goes by well now you just feel kind of stupid because two weeks have gone by or three weeks have gone by or maybe a month's gone by and now you're like what do i say what do i do and then the worst thing is they call you hey man just checking in seeing where you're at what's going on what's going on? Why haven't you sold my house what are you doing so if you can get in the habit of updating your sellers every single week with simple things like put a like a lot of MLSs offer uh, showing reports, put a showing report with all the feedback. We lay that to your seller every week. As soon as you get it, call them with it. Hey, we had a showing last night. Here's the feedback. Here's what they said. Call the realtor and figure out if they are interested. If it does say they're interested, I would call that realtor first and figure that out so you can have these conversations. But update your clients every week. Let them know how many hits, how many online hits they're getting on their websites. Off your website, off, off Zillow, off Realtor.com, how much online activity is happening. Look in your MLS and see if, if you can find people that have saved it as favorites as possibility. All of that data is stuff that you can be talking to your client about constantly. What are you doing to sell the house? What re- conversations have you had with realtors? What ads are you running? Relay that information every single week. Don't hide from your sellers. Because when you do, to Joe's point, you're not going to get repeat and referral business. They're going to say, man, my realtor was terrible. Or even worse, my realtor was okay. They're good. They weren't terrible. They were okay. Mm-hmm. They're not going to refer you. They're not going to think about you when they hear somebody thinking about buying or selling. They're going to think about somebody else maybe or the person that maybe did wow them in some form of an experience. Exactly. Or they're going to tell you, hey, stay away from that guy. Yeah, definitely. Which is the worst case Absolutely. of word of mouth is when someone tells you to avoid that person. Yeah. Definitely. And to Joe's point, it's every year your business should get easier and you should have to do a little bit less lead generation, especially less lead generation to strangers. Because every year you have more past clients. You have more people in your database that, you can, that you've had a good experience with that you can continue to keep in touch with to get repeat and referral business. So making sure that your service is top notch is paramount in this business. Takes us to the next step, which is pendings. Once your house is under contract, once you put a client under contract, are you skilled and trained to keep your clients excited during the process? Because here's what's going to happen. They're going to buy a house, a first-time home buyer, and they're going to be panicked. They're going to have buyer's remorse. They're going to be laying in bed like, oh, my gosh, what did I just do? I can't believe I'm spending this money on this house. Do you have a process in place for when they go under contract? Are you keeping your clients updated on what to expect next? Listen, congratulations. We just put the house under contract. This is step one. Steps two through five are we have to get through the inspections. We have to do this. We have to get through the appraisal. We have to get through the title. Are you setting the expectation for pendings for your clients? And not just saying, having them call you again saying, hey, what's next? What are we doing for inspections? Do you have allied resources like vendors, like home inspectors and title and mortgage and all that, that, that do a great job, that uphold the same level of service and expectation that you have for yourself are you providing those vendors to your client? So making sure you have a pending process, or maybe you have a transaction coordinator. Maybe you have staff that handles this for you. How good of a job are you doing with letting your client know that they're going to be reaching out and setting the expectation for what the next step is? We call it kind of passing the baton. If I'm going to hand this off to a team member now, if I have a transaction coordinator, I'm going to hand this off. Am I doing a good job of letting my clients know what the next steps are and who my transaction coordinator is and who they'll be reaching out? Am I doing a good job of that? Or am I just saying, yep, 
I'm done. I put it under contract. This person on my team needs to handle it now. So the pending process is extremely important. And what I would also say is next, the closing. So closing. Do I have a successful closing experience? What does that look like to you? Do you show up for your closings? A lot of people during COVID stopped showing up to closings. They never got in the habit of going back to their closings. I think it's paramount that you do because it's the final piece of this transaction. It does two things. One, you've worked with these people now for a few months and it's kind of the closure to the process. Two, if you don't go, it sends a signal that you didn't really care. You're just in it for the paycheck, in my opinion. You didn't make the time to go to one of their biggest purchases or biggest sales of their life. You were too busy. You didn't have time. I've heard people say, I don't go to closings. I disagree with it. Do what you want, but I think if you're not going to it, it sends a message to the client that you don't care. And so it's also a great time to ask for referrals. So while you're sitting at the closing table, ask for a referral. Don't say, hey, if you know anybody, let me know. Ask them. Listen, do you know anyone? Not if, do. Do you know anyone looking to buy or sell a home right now that I could reach out to? No, no, nobody. Anybody you can think of maybe from work or any family members that have talked about wanting to buy or sell? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, this person. Great. Would you be offended if I called them? Ask for the referral. Don't say, hey, if you know of anyone, that's what everybody always does because it's uncomfortable to ask. But again, it's a learned skill set. And if you practice it, it becomes much easier. What are you doing then too after those clients close? Are they going into a database? Are they getting set up on some form of contact management system to where a campaign where you're keeping in touch with them? If you do events, are they getting invited to your events? Are you setting them up on a market update to show them what their house is worth? Are you showing them what's selling in their area? Are you contacting them frequently? Like for us, it's quarterly phone calls. And then anytime we have events, we call and invite people to events. So those are important things I would think as well at closing. Also, your closing company. You're only as good as your vendors. So you could do everything perfectly. And if your title company messes up, and it's a huge ordeal at the closing table, Joe, what do your clients remember? That ordeal. Yeah. That's all they remember. Too. They don't remember all the things you did. They don't remember all the nice things, the, how you went above and beyond. And you were so super. They remember the stress they felt the day of closing when they were sitting at the closing table. They remember the stress they felt because the, the deal hasn't funded yet and they're moving trucks sitting out in front of the house and they can't go in the house. They remember all of that. So making sure your, your vendors that you're working with are top notch as well is very, very important because they're an extension of you and an extension of your business. And you need to demand the same from them that you demand of yourself from a service level. So making sure that happens is very important. And our last step is repeat and referral. So does my level of client service allow me to receive repeat and referral business? It's a simple question that we need to be thinking about. Did I do a good enough job throughout this process to allow these clients to want to refer me? If the answer is no, we need to pick it up. Steps one through eight here, we need to pick that up, or one through seven. And am I consistently generating business for my database, or am I constantly chasing new business from strangers? Because as you mentioned, as I mentioned, we've all mentioned now, every year it should get easier. If you're doing a good job and you're repeating these steps, and here's the thing, we put this in a graph in a circle. Because once we get to step eight, it doesn't stop. We need to constantly be doing these things, and it's not like, Hey, I hit step one. Now I don't have to do step one anymore. I'm on step two. I don't have to do step two anymore. It's if I want to have a repeatable business that constantly grows, I need to be doing all step, all eight of these steps consistently very well every single day. It's not like just do it when it feels good or it's like, look, if I look at these eight steps, where am I at? Rank, rank yourself on this and don't give yourself a seven, 
So rank yourself 1 through 10 without to give allowing because everyone always cops out with 7. Rank yourself 1 to 10 and say, where am I at? If I look at step 1, from a lead generation perspective, where am I? Am I step, am I, am I a 5? If I'm a 5, let me get to a 7 or 8. Let me get to a 9 or a 10. Am I a 2? Am I a 1? Am I doing it all? Am I a 0? Right, but look at each of these categories and I would rank yourself on where you're at and where your holes are. You might be a fantastic lead generator. You might be a 10. You do it every day. You never miss a day. You might be great at converting. You might be great on appointments and your service might be terrible. So those are the holes we need to plug. Now, if your service is terrible, terrible there's a couple of things you can do. Well, one, you can get leverage. You can go pay people, hire people to get some help and support. If you're not naturally, like for me and Joe too, like we're not compliance-based thinking individuals. So paperwork's not our strong suit. So we offset that and hire people that are great at that to complement our skill sets. We hire people whose skill sets are very strong in areas where we're weak. And I think that's important to know too. So I would look at the circle here, the success circle, and I'll, we'll kick them off again real quick. Lead generation. Next step is conversations. Next step is the appointment. Next step is close. Then service, pending, closing, repeat, and referral. Goes in a circle. Evaluate yourself. See where you're at, where you can plug the holes. And if you do this consistently, you're going to have a great business.